Welcome to Cheers and Queers, a boozy podcast about Black queer life. I am Ishoke, and I am a bright colored post-it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is Cheers and Queers. Use the hashtag Cheers and Queers uh, to contribute to the conversation, to let us know what you're drinking while you listen, and to chat with other queers. How can you support this podcast? You can become a patron. Give us your money. The link to our Patreon is in the show notes, or you can just search Cheers and Queers on the Patreon site. I would like to give a shout out to my friend Leslie for becoming our newest patron. Thanks so much, boo. A few folks have asked about the Patreon tiers and and I like reorged them. So I want to share that with all of you. So the first tier is a shot, right? So for $2 a month, $2 a month, you will get this podcast. That's what you get. That's the benefit. <laughs> and then the next tier is a cocktail, right? So for $7 a month, at the end of the year, you will get a gift of all the digital and physical Cheers and Queers merch. I create new merch every year. We got shot glasses. We got pins. We got, uh, what's this? We got coasters. Um, last year, I made a digital cocktail books of every single cocktail that we've ever had on the podcast. And as we create new episodes and I create new cocktails, new things will go in. So, you know, look out for the new book at the end of the year. For the next tier, right, is Top Shelf, right? So for $22 a month, we will ask you to tell us who you are, what you like. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And based on that information, I will create a custom cocktail and I will name it after you. Right. And then this cocktail will be featured on a future show. And then finally, buy out the bar. Right. So for $50, we will send you a book that is either written by a Black queer person or features a Black queer protagonist. You can go on ahead and read the book. And then we can opt into a discussion or book review with us, which may be featured on the show if you are a Black queer person. Um, so there's something for everyone. If you're trying to put us in your estate, hit me up because. There, I, I recently figured out that there's a way to do that. <laughs> so thanks to all the patrons. Um, thanks to the new patron as well. If you do not have the coins, if you like, mm, girl, the Rona got me. That's okay. That's okay. You can rate us on iTunes. Why do we ask that you rate us on iTunes in addition to rating us in other places? Because it helps folks find the podcast and it bumps us up in the Apple podcast searches so that when people are like, uh, queer, they see us, right? And we want all the queers. Give me all the queers, okay? So I would like to thank every single person who entered our spring giveaway. I'm really excited about all of the (laughs) fun stuff that y'all are saying um, and the interactions that we've had on Twitter and Instagram. I really, I don't, I still don't understand social media, which is why we have hired a social media manager. Shout out to Jalen. I really appreciate that y'all are like, yay, Twitter, yay, Instagram. Um, The more you interact, the more we get an idea of what it is that you would like to see and how it is that you would like to um, spend time with us 
in the digital realm until we can go back to doing things in real life. So thank you for that. Cool, now that we've got the business out of the way, I'd like to welcome our guest. Hey guest. <laughs> well, wait, I got excited, I almost knocked down my dress. <laughs> Real time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on yes, the show. of course. So to start, we always do a check-in. So I'll ask you the check-in question first. So uh, please tell us your name, your pronouns, and the three most important aspects to supporting your lifestyle right now. Hmm. So my name is Queen and my pronouns are she and her. And what was it? Three things that what? The three most important aspects to supporting your lifestyle right now. You know, we in a pan pizza, so. Okay, so three right now. So actually I just started using one of those food subscription services where it's yes. like, those mail kit thingies. Mm-hmm. So I just signed on to, I'm not going to say who, cause they didn't pay y'all. That's right. But, um, I got one of those subscription food services, which helps me kind of like make new things. Cause I have exhausted all of my recipes. I'm tired <laughs> yes. of thinking about what I'm going to eat. Like at least for a couple of days a week, it's, it's like decided for me or I just, I pre-decided what's for dinner. Right. So that's been helpful. Keeping up with like getting my my nails done and pedicures and stuff like that Mm, has helped me mm -hmm. feel a little bit more like I have agency. Yes. (laughs) That I I could control something. Something. Anything. (laughs) (laughs) So like, yeah, like like keeping my hair and nails and stuff done just gives me a sense of agency and control because everything else I I, I just can't. I don't don't have the cans in me. So Um, that and like orgasms like say it <laughs> yeah orgasms it. with solo sex and with sex with my partner that mm-hmm. has been another thing that is like it's a stress reliever it's a, a it's just all of the things serotonin endorphins yes, all the things it puts me to sleep <laughs> you know, it just like, all of it all of it <laughs> so yeah those are those would be the three things right now that yeah. are like helping me maintain yeah yes for sure uh, love that. Yeah, I think, uh, right. So Ishoke, she, her, and ma'am. I think that for me, it's definitely been, so I, you know, I have my muggle job and I like consult for a couple different, mm-hmm. uh, smaller organizations, but for me, it's actually really been dancing. So performing like pole and burlesque shows. Cause that it's that agency that you were actually just talking about. Like, yeah, I choose what show I want to do. I choose the theme. I choose the outfits. I choose the music. All of that is like completely under my control. And I create, I curate the environment. I get to see how much or how little of my house you get to see. Like all of that is tightly controlled by me. Yeah. And it, it satisfies the desire that I have to be in control in the midst of a global disaster. Yeah. Like I can't control (laughs) any of this other shit. Nope. So let me <laughs> let me look at the things I can't control and that's like right. fuck with those things. And yeah. that's yep. how many sequins and rhinestones I put on <laughs> the pasties. <laughs> that's that's how much I can control. So there's that. I have definitely been crocheting a lot. Like I have mm-hmm. made many sweaters, so many sweaters. Uh, many people in my life now have a sweater <laughs> that I made with my own two hands. 
I want to say, because um, we know each other in real life, right. so <laughs> I have made a tweet about like, ooh, I hate sweater dresses, and you're like, I'm making one. I want to tell you that everyone's wearing sweater dresses, so fuck whatever I said on Twitter about sweater because <laughs> everyone on Twitter was like, but I like, but I like, but I'm like, okay, there's a market, right? I stand corrected, so... Continue crocheting that sweater dress. Oh, it's really not even done yet, but I'm so excited about it. It's short sleeves, so I could wear. I, oh, it's, right, a, right. Like, it's short sleeve. It's like it's a blended. Uh, what do they call it? It's a blended fiber, so it's not just acrylic. So I won't just be hot and sweaty. Because the the problem I actually have with sweater dresses is that I be hot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so lots of crochet, lots of sweaters. But it, it's also a thing I can control, yeah. <laughs> and it allows me it like. When I'm like, I need to do an impulse buy, it's always yarn or like Mm. something yarn adjacent. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have, this is perfect. I have a big bin full of yarn that I've been trying to get rid of. And it's it's fucking yours. That's that's just- yeah. I wish I could tell you how many people have been like, I have a box of yarn in my basement. <laughs> I told, I'm like, so I'm not throwing this away. Someone can use this. I'm keeping this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. And then I think the last thing has been like being creative with the orgasms. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I, I do not, someone said on the internet, really, I don't know, a couple days ago, pandemic penetration partner or pandemic penetration person or something like that and I was mm-hmm. like that's fucking brilliant and that's what I'm calling all y'all little COVID base um <laughs> but I think I, I I do not have that right it's just me in the mm-hmm. house and so I have obviously made many uh pandemic superfluous purchases mm-hmm. and the girls have been recommending the things <laughs> on Twitter on <laughs> Instagram on all the in people's close stories, they'd be like, bitch, let me tell you about. And I'm like, oh, let me take some notes. Um, so my my solo play toy collection has has gone crazy. Um, so I really <laughs> All right, cool. Let's see. Let's look at the collection. Let's see how we're feeling, right? There's like mm-hmm. some for manifestation, right? There's some for like, I need to go to sleep and I'm anxious. There's so there's like a there's a toy for everything. Oh. um so yeah that's that's helped it helps it does it does uh so thank you for that (laughs) (laughs) so what are we drinking we are drinking um what's called a kentucky mule i am drinking it out of an actual metal cup because that's the kind of thing I have in my home. (laughs) In my Caucasian home, there's Caucasian shit. (laughs) That is very Caucasian. It's like, wow, it's in a row. I just got mine in the glass. Same drink, (laughs) but it's in a glass. (laughs) It's in a glass. Um, So yeah, it's whiskey, ginger beer, lime. I did get fancy and put a little mint garnish on that bitch. Mm. Um, I am going to put a recipe in the show notes. I'm going to call it a black ass Kentucky mule because I made mine with Uncle Nearest. um, Mm. And y'all, I'll put a link to Uncle Nearest in the notes so y'all could like read about him um, because I think they're, they're, the idea behind like reclaiming the way that uh, whiskey has a deep, deep connection to um folks who are descended um from slaves is is important i'll put a link to that in the show notes 
But yeah, I also then had to look up when I read mule. I, I know mules are normally served in tankers, right? Metal tankers. Mm-hmm. So I had to look yeah. that shit up because I was like, why white people do this? <laughs> so why do they do that? Why do why? they do that? <laughs> so according to the internet, there's two things. The mules are actually Moscow mules and Moscow is a place where, and, and Russia is a place where they used to mine copper. And so okay. making a cup out of copper was cheaper than using pewter silver glass, okay. right? Back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, copper and, and pewter and other metals are uh, really good thermal conductors. So they actually keep oh. the drink colder, colder than glass, which I don't know why you'd be worried about in Moscow. Cause, but anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> I know it's cold over there, <laughs> but it's a really good thermal conductor. So it actually, you don't have to like put it in a thermal glass. Like the metal itself keeps the drink cold. And third, this is less real science, um, mm-hmm. but apparently it makes the ginger and the citrus taste sharper and keeps the bubbles of the drink like more. Actually, that's real science. If the, drink say, stays, that science. <laughs> if the drink stays colder, the bubbles are less likely, it's less likely to get flat faster. Um, okay. But yeah, the taste, the like, the ginger tastes sharper and the lime tastes better. That to me is like faux science. Uh <laughs> But the bubbles make sense. Yeah, the um, bubbles does. That does make sense. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had to ask the so owner. I, so I got to get a ten cup now. That's that's <laughs> right. <this. laughs> like, if you can, if you can find a copper mug, they're everywhere because mm-hmm. white people, hipsters love a Moscow mule. Yeah. So get a copper mug. They're actually not difficult to take care of as long as you wash them. Like mm-hmm. when you finish your drink, just wash it out. And I've had this. This is a ten cup. Um, it's actually built for root beer. I've had it since like. The date is on here. I've had it since 2010 and it's been <laughs> doing me just fine. I'm going to get me a 10 cup. I'm going to get one. Do it. Do it. Get your name engraved on it or something ridiculous like that because mine is engraved. So <laughs> just be extra, extra. <laughs> oh. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. <laughs> Okay, so this next piece is a new segment. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I'm calling it Pop Culture Happy Hour because when I originally invented this podcast, that's what I called it. But now there's like an annoying podcast, I think on NPR, that's called Pop Culture Happy Hour. And I'm like, yeah. anyway, <laughs> right. I haven't they actually did it like you anyway. <laughs> it's true. I'm sure. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it, so I don't actually know if it's good. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just upset that they took the name. But so the question is, what is something happening in pop culture that's brought you joy in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, right? Like bonus points if it's black, like extra bonus points if it's queer. But like, what's the thing that you like? It happened and you were like, yes, fuck oh. me up. <laughs> well, I don't know if. Well, yeah. So I'm a Virgo, so it's really hard for me to be like excitable the way that other people are, but. Yeah, so I don't know how this would rank on the scale because I don't really have a scale. It's your scale. (laughs) But I did recently start watching this web series on Slay TV. Um, Mm -hmm. Slay TV is a, it's a YouTube channel. They also have a festival every year, but it's towards like, it's it's queer, but like femme 
gay, femme, gay, queer kind of like space. You're already yeah, speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> and they just recently started a new web series called For the Boys. It's only four episodes out, but it's like a nice 20 something. Is it B-O-Y or B-O-I? This is important. I can't remember. Oh, shit. I think it's B-O-Y. Okay. okay. Actually, I'm going to look right now. <laughs> you don't mind. Oh, that's fine. I just, I'm like, how is it on a scale of one to gay? Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I think they did it with a Y. I think mm-hmm. there's a Y spelling. Okay. But the show is cute. Like, I prefer, okay. I don't want another, you know how everyone wants like a sex in the city, but like a no. black version. No, I want like <laughs> the queer versions of those kinds of things. I want right. to see trans women in those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. I want to see, you know, like whatever. So this story, it is, it is queer. Um, it is gay men, but they're, I don't know, it's just cute. It's just cute to see that dynamic of these gay friends. I guess I miss Noah's Ark. I don't know, but- <laughs> Oh, Noah's <I>, Ark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my heart. A couple Noah's Ark episodes. Like, oh, for real? Oh, yes. yeah. So yes. it's, um yeah, so I'm watching that because it's giving me all of the like queer, love feels and shit like that mm-hmm. um so that's something in pop culture recently right now that i'm just like yes yeah i want an a queer insecure i want a queer yes. you know like i want those those stories so i'm kind of just like oh you know what i found one let me watch this let me look the ones that exist let me watch those yeah you know? um, yeah so that's been like my pop culture highlight i, I would say yeah that's it. Right. cute it's so cute yeah, I think the two that I am thinking of are like obviously Call Me By Your Name. I'm a pole dancer, mm-hmm. also Lil Nas X. I just, I'm so proud of him. Like, he's <laughs> my cousin, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I just been, you know how you meet a cousin, you're like, you a gay, <laughs> you know? And you're just like, you just watch them like become themselves. So I'm, I'm like, irrationally proud of him. Yeah, I can see that. I can so see that. When I saw the video instantly, I was like, yes, this is it. I've never seen anything like this before. Yes, that part. And I, right. I think I think for me, like I like I'm like a huge I went to Catholic school, but I also mm-hmm. was very into Greek mythology. So like watching the way that he blended these old concepts of good versus evil yeah, and evil. the self and like the way the self the higher self versus the Lord, like all of these things. I'm like, the man is brilliant. And yeah. also he was like, what y'all going to get is this lap dance on Satan. That's what y'all going to get. <laughs> you, that's, that's what we doing. Yeah. That's the part <laughs> that I really enjoyed the most. I also think people didn't get the most. Cause it's like, you tell us we're going to go to hell all the time anyway. So like, I've always said, okay, I'm going to hell anyway. So I'm gonna make it popping. Like, yes, it's when be, I it's get there, fun. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be yeah, like, yeah. Like I've always <laughs> said that. All my homegirls. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna turn it the fuck up. Like you're gonna be jealous because I'm in hell having fun. Like I've always thought that, felt that because you know whatever. I don't believe I'm gonna hell, but that's what right. you know different books say. So okay, if that's where I'm gonna go, then I'm gonna wear it out when I go. That's right. You know, yeah. so that's the part that was just like, yes, because I've I've been feeling that. I felt seen because I've yes. been, been feeling yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, like I am a recovering Catholic. And so, you know, for me, <laughs> it's always been this like 
sort of back and forth of like, y'all told me I was made, you know, in God's image and God don't make no mistakes, but also here I am just out here being a big old gay. So like, what, what is the truth? Yeah, um, what is it? So yeah, I, I really love that. You know, I also love the pull aspect. <laughs> yeah. Also, my other pop culture thing. Sorry, yes. I didn't cut you off. Yeah, I forgot ahead. that I had watched the um, fucking verses. Oh, that was good. I did. My- <laughs> no, but I watched the red table talk when he oh, Nash. Oh, my feelings. <laughs> and uh, I think their wife' name is Jackie. I made that up. I don't uh, know. I'm it's not ja- Jess. Jack. It's something. Oh, Jess. Jack. Hold Jess. on, we gonna look it up. Okay, but that that interview was cute. Um, just seeing them just be cute. I like that she stated that like I'm a part of the LGBTQ community because I think that a lot of times when women, make sure I say this carefully, mm-hmm. when a straight woman or women who have lived a straight life all their life and then they do partner with a woman or now they're living as a lesbian or whatever, I do think that they tend to separate it. So it's mm-hmm. like... I am with this woman, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm part of this whole... Yeah, I'm not doing what y'all doing. Yeah, yeah like, I just love this person, and this happens to be this, but all of that other stuff, I don't, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been living like a straight person, you know, all of the time. Right. So I do like that. She was like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm calling myself, but I know I am a part of this community. So yeah. I do. I did like to see... Oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's It's the ginger beer. Uh, <laughs> But I did like her saying, like, look, I don't, I would not know how to identify myself as an individual, but I do know what community mm-hmm. I am a part of. So I, I did like seeing that because I do know of a lot of straight um, women who've lived straight their whole life. Who, when they, if they do partner with another woman, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm with her, but I'm just with her, and not the rest of y'all. <laughs> So I thought that was cute. Like, you know. Yeah. And they're just cute. They're just they're really so cute. cute. I really, every time I see them do anything, I'm always like, oh, look at it. They are cute. And that's I'm adding that line to my line. You want to go lay down? Because that's what. <laughs> <laughs> that's what got everything swinging. So that's going to be added to my list of. of you, you wanna... Really? <laughs> I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard (laughs) because I wish I could tell you how many versions of that (laughs) I have heard (laughs) because people just assume that I'm not queer. And so they like assume that I'm a straight girl and I'm like, you, I will fuck you. Like, I don't. I've already decided that I will fuck you. Oh, we gonna go lay down. So why? Are you playing games with me? Oh gosh. Um, but anyway, yes, I really had to like it just was a like a body laugh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I'm like, well shit, I'ma start saying that. Yeah, you wanna lay down? Sure. <laughs> Woo, once we not in a pan of cheddar. <laughs> once this ponder replay is over. Okay, because one day <laughs> we will be able to go outside and ask people questions. Oh, like, do you want to lay down? 
my goodness. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. And I think the other one for me has definitely was versus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I like grew up in an old, like in a multi-generational household. So, like my grandparents, my parents, mm-hmm. and then me and my sister. And like, I, I, you don't really think about it, right? Like that Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers have been making music since the 50s. Mm-hmm. to now yeah and that like whatever they were doing somebody in my house was into it mm-hmm. and it just was yeah. it has all of these like very distinct memories and feelings and listening yeah like, not just even connected to my family but like connected to my friend I was in a marching band right so we of course we had some earth wind and fire yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh tracks that we love to pull out for the people for sure. And so, like, I, I really, you know, Steve Harvey is Steve Harvey. Uh, That's and, what I couldn't get over him. <laughs> I really was struggling. I really was struggling. That first half, I was like, Hold yeah, on. it was just like, Whoa. we get a story every time. Every, every, every time. And then he was mad at us for yelling at him. And I was like, you go ahead. And, you already got the check. They already exactly. paid you. Exactly. Give us what we came here for. <laughs> which is Ron and his beard <laughs> that's the thing too it was so funny because I'm like I am also attracted to men right so I'm looking and I'm like first it was like who is this man right because the beard is new who is this man and then talk- it made me yeah <laughs> then it made me upset because I'm like people who are attracted to men we are so easy because he put on all the catfish material, the hat, the glasses, and the beard. And, and we like just fell for it. Like, like, this is why we the way we are. People who are attracted to men, this is why we so fucked up. Because that's all it took. And we was open. Like, this is this is a this is a disappointment. I was disappointed in all of us men loving people. Because what? <laughs> that just that easy. <laughs> and we was open it's just- funny because <laughs> so many people were like <clears throat> do not text that man whoever it is that you are about to text right now don't text him and I was like oh no is that what y'all feeling like right now like <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying we're a disappointment you see how easy that was what he did was put on we've known what Ron Isley has looked like our whole lives our literal whole lives our literal whole lives and all he had to do half a century half a century all he did was put on a hat some glasses and a bed and we was like oh who that like we are so us men loving men attracted people are so easy we are a disappointment we disappoint every time it's it's mostly funny because like i you know i will like occasionally date a man because you know Mm -hmm. variety (laughs) (laughs) it's a spice of life um, but for me, I was so confused for literally so much of that beginning. I was like, who is this? What? Who? Where's Ron? I, like, I was so confused. I was too. I was like, who's this person? <laughs> it. The coat is nice, though. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But yeah, that, that brought me a lot of joy. I also was like, this is, this is why... I was like, oh my God, why don't I listen to more? Like, I listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire fairly often, mm-hmm. but I don't listen to a lot of Isley Brothers. I was like, why don't I listen to more Isley Brothers? Halfway through the function, I was like, because it's sexy music. 
Yeah, it who is. has time to be sexy by themselves? <laughs> <laughs> Me, but also it is, like it is sexy I really was it. like, oh, this why it's not on the playlist. This is why, because yeah. it will be. It literally was like, I will not. I will turn off the. I I turned off the apps <laughs> because I was like, what we're not gonna do is be sending out reckless texts. That's what we're not gonna do. <laughs> oh my gosh oh gosh Um, but yes that was that was my moment in in black joy and also like like talking to my parents about it Mm -hmm. because they they were very much like you know they were like what is it where is it how do I get it um so I had to set my mama up on YouTube my dad was like Uh I, I saw the chatter on Twitter and I was like I'm sorry on where? What? Uh, uh, who? You have a Twitter? I'm oh, sorry, what? <laughs> I was pressed. <laughs> like, I had to, it's like, um, okay. And then he was like, <laughs> who won? And I was like, Black people won, Dad. That's the answer. The diaspora won. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what? That's a one at a time in diaspora. Literally. Oh, uh, but yeah, it was super fun. Like, talking to my parents, talking to my cousins, talking to my play cousins on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, about like this thing so that was that was my moment of like oh I love us my white co-workers were very confused the next day when they were like what's a fun thing you did over the weekend they were like I had an easter egg hunt or like I went skiing and I was like versus and they were like what <laughs> I'm sorry yeah you know what let's keep it that way let's <laughs> that's, keep it that way that's right I was like, it was Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers, and it was grand. And they were like, oh, I know who that is. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, let's keep it that way. They don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, All right. So thank you for indulging me in that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I'm going to ask you the question that we ask at the top of all of our interviews mm-hmm. um, is a question that some people really love and some people really hate. So we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. Um, okay. So who are you? What do you do? Mm-hmm. And why do you do it? Who am I? I am a Black, queer, Muslim person from the Bronx. That's who I am. What do I do? I... I love to dismantle systems mm-hmm. that I like to dismantle oppressive systems. Some systems make sense, right. but the oppressive ones I want to dismantle. I also am into creating like safe and affirming spaces for marginalized people. So that's like all of my work is based on that. So be it mixed fixing, tea with Queen and Jay, even my day job is all about like affirming safety for marginalized people while also dismantling oppressive systems so that marginalized people don't have to fucking um, deal with that shit. Yeah, exactly. What if we just didn't have to struggle? What if you just woke up and just lived life and you didn't have to think about all the things that fuck with you? That part. You know? So a lot of my work is centered around around that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dismantling oppressive systems, and then building and reinforcing affirming systems for all other marginalized people. Yep, that's what I do. 
And then and why, why do I do that? Yeah. I do that because honestly, that's what I need. I think it makes sense to put into the world the things I need because then it'll always be genuine. Mm. So I kind of always need to affirm myself. I always need to feel safe. I always need, like, those are things that I, that are really, really, really important to me in my existence. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can genuinely create those things if that's always my personal goal. I think once my mission changes, then the why should change too. So right now Mm. the mission is creating those things to myself and also dismantling those things in myself. So yeah, the why is, is, is in conjunction with what I do as well. I think for me, those things should coincide. The why and the what should coincide mm-hmm. with each other. And that's how they do for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Honestly. Yeah. And I really appreciate that, like, particularly the lens into the connection between what and why. Because a lot of times, or I have felt mm-hmm. in some spaces that say, like, we trying to dismantle X, Y, and Z. I'm like, but why? Like, are you yeah. because someone told you or because, like, you think you can build a better system or because it has hurt you? Like, why are you doing this? And yeah. that will help me better understand how I can help you. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people don't realize they why isn't connected to the what. Mm. Or maybe the it's, sometimes stuff changes. So mm-hmm. like when I first started out with T with Winnie J or Mix Vixen, it was just me saying that I've always kind of wanted to be in a media space. Mm-hmm. But then there was always a part of me that was very into being an act. Like I wouldn't say I've ever been an activist, but I've always been active. And somehow those two things found a way to live, to live together. Mm-hmm. So my why started out, my why and what started out as something different, but then it changed. I'm, I'm grateful that it changed together. Like they both changed in the same direction, but sometimes they might change in different directions. And I think that's when you have to figure out if you're still mm-hmm. in alignment with what, why you're doing stuff. And, you know, so we grow out of stuff. Like just think about how we grow out of jobs. We grow out of people. We grow out of whatever. We can also grow out of the whys and the what's and right. stuff like that. And I think that right. if more people to examine when those changed, when those things change, people examined it and examine why, then we I think it'd be less of like, I think it'd be a less of the public, the public's reactions to people who change would be less. So my example is like a Kanye. We mm. met Kanye as a very different person than to what yes. he is now. Yes. So now we're looking at him like, what the fuck? But that was a point where his mission or whatever changed. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what that was because he ain't tell us about it. We just really saw didn't. <laughs> We just saw it. But I feel like maybe if he was like, if there was like a clear declaration of like, okay, fuck that black shit. I'm on my capitalist shit. Right, right. Then it'll be like, well, we, we'll get it. Like, oh, that's what... That's what Kanye does now, you know. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I'll yeah. just try to keep those things aligned as yeah. much as I can. Yeah, that's actually super helpful for context for literally all the things that I know you do. I'm like, oh wow, this makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I should yeah. ask these questions of regular people in my life. Um, they gonna be like, bitch, no, <laughs> don't ask me this. As we're laying on the beach, 
recovering, exactly. <laughs> recovering from the Ponderosa. I'm being like, tell me. And they're like, Get me. no. <sighs> it's fine. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there'll be at least two people who are into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I guess my follow-up question to that then is I'd love to hear more about Miss Vixen magazine, right? So like, Mm -hmm. where did this, where did this come from? Um, I've read a lot about, Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of like the content, but I I Mm -hmm. actually want to hear a little bit more about the origin and, you know, like what your sort of motivation is behind creating the space and what you're hoping or I, for me, it is always interesting to hear from a writer what you're hoping mm. people walk away with, like yeah. when they experience your content. Okay. Um, so I've always, I'm not sure if I've always wanted to own a magazine or if I wanted to write on one, but I've always been a magazine lover. Like I've mm-hmm. always was into like all the magazines and I always hated the fact that there wasn't one for like my teen black girl life. So like we had like the essence and stuff for our moms. Then it was all of those hip hop magazines or music magazines, but there wasn't really one for like a black girl teen, like teen Vogue was for the white girls. There was no like teen essence. (laughs) There was no teen (laughs) jets, you know, like, you know, I'm not trying to get a job. I'm 14, so I don't need this Essence magazine telling me what to wear for a job interview. I'm I'm 13. Like, I'm... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but we would be we would really be like, all right, I guess I'll take this pencil skirt advice. Yeah, exactly. We would take it because it's what we had. So I I knew that I always kind of wanted a, and McVixen isn't a team mag, but I'm just saying I've always wanted a magazine that wasn't like for my mom Mm. so to speak and I think the first time I had a magazine that wasn't for my mom that magazine is out of print now but it used to be a magazine called honey magazine honey magazine would seem a little more like early adult kind of thing um so I've always kind of wanted that always was like Khadija in in living singles like always you know like whatever but then when blogging became this popular thing I was like oh I don't need to go through whatever channels you need to go through to have a magazine I can just start this blog and do it this way so I started Miss Vixen as a blog and was just writing my own thoughts and stuff like that I always called it a magazine though but technically you know it was a blog and as time grew on I just kind of wanted it to be like a community kind of space so Yes, there's a magazine. Um, there's a podcast for it where it's more so just about like self-improvement type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then not doing it now because we're in a whole pond of replay, but also live events and stuff like that. Because I wanted to create a community where Black women, Black femmes, other folks, other Black folks impacted by massage noir have a space where they feel like they're the standard. Right. Um, generally a lot of the like exception yeah not the exception and a lot of times even in black publications we're we're still talking to ourselves like we're the exception so we're saying stuff like black hair or what's who are the best black fashion bloggers mm-hmm. who are the like, why are we even precursoring things with black if we know this is just for us and we're the standard if I'm saying the standard is I'm saying the standard of hair is the kind of hair Black people have, 
then I feel like I should just say hair and I shouldn't have to say black hair because I'm only, my audience is sentiment black people. So when I say hair, you know the hair I'm talking about. I don't exactly. have to. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not like a question or, or there's not like a, I wonder who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I remember looking at magazines or even certain, I would say now, because Instagram is basically a magazine. So pages that are, that will say like the best black financial advisors. And it's like, if your whole page is about blackness, you don't have to say the best black ones. Just say they're the best because we're the standard, you know? So just changing the language um, also was like a big thing for me. Like, I don't want, black people are first person. It's always the first person that we're, I'm thinking about with mm. any mixed vixen content. And I wanted to just erase, erase that we're like a, like an, an exception. We're not an, yeah. Exactly, we're not an exception. We're the standard. Like we don't see, and I don't, I'm not comparing to white things. I'm just using it as an example. But like, mm -hmm. they don't be in Vanity Fair talking about some, the best white hairstyles they just say it's the best hair because they just assume that they're the standard because they are right yeah you know so <laughs> um a lot of that verbiage and stuff is just like nah that's not what we do here so that's that's the building blocks of um the identity of Ms. Vixen is just treating us that we're we're the standard we're not the exception like you know so that's kind of the basic principles of it. Then when it comes to my own writing, when I write, I'm kind of really just writing for myself too. I guess I'm just selfish and y'all just a part of my <laughs> selfishness. I don't know. But I'm really writing for myself or I'm writing things that have been in my head for a really, really long time and I need to get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to write way more often than I do now because since I have Tea with Queen and J podcast, I do get a lot of that stuff out mm -hmm. verbally, but I'm trying to get back into writing those things again also because it's, it's necessary but a lot of times I'm writing things that I need to kind of like see like I'll, if something doesn't exist or I haven't come across it I'll, I'll just write it myself mm -hmm. and um you know so far people be liking it and I appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> that is hella black like I'm really out here just you know living my best life but y'all be into it so <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm going to be honest and say that when I write things, I'm not writing thinking about like changing. I'm not really thinking about changing people's thoughts. I don't think that I, I understand how influence works, but I also understand that I cannot convince people to think the things that I think. But I do feel like if I explain why I think the, the things I think, then maybe they'll get that more. So that's usually what I'm thinking about when I'm writing. Like, let me just fully explain why I'm whatever whatever is the the, the mission of the essay. Let me just explain exactly why I feel this way, so they can like at least understand how I came to whatever point. But it doesn't mean that they have to completely agree with the point that I'm trying to make. But they can at least understand the journey, understand the path that I took to get to where you know, the goal of the essay or the piece that I've written and the yeah. but I'm but not when you really think, trying to like convince people. When you think about, and this is just my psychologist brain kind of going here, when you think about the science of influence, right? Like mm -hmm. oftentimes people are influenced by a compelling story. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like people are influenced by like being able to either emotionally or otherwise connect with the person who was like, here is what I think. Here is Mm -hmm. why I think it, right? And even if you're, you know, I've read your work, right? A lot of it doesn't strike me as like a persuasive essay, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's not like, here's what I think and why I think and why you should think this way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, here, here are my thoughts. Here are my feelings. Here's where I've landed. Right. And you are welcome to take from this. Yeah. What, what it's, you it's exactly what that. You <laughs> yeah. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. Yep. That's exactly what it is. But I think it's really important to like call in a name that like oftentimes the way that people are influenced isn't through this, like this, like push right? To mm-hmm. like, to be guided, like this guidance, right? That a lot of times people are like, oh, when you write a piece, it should guide the reader to where you want them to land, right? And I think a lot of times of the way I experience your work, a lot of times is like, here's where I have landed. Here's how I got here. Yep. I catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs> like, that's yeah, it. No, but I'm, honestly, that is, that's what it is. <laughs> that's exactly like my writing style. That's exactly what, but that's, that's generally how, that's my personality too. So like, it, it, it definitely, yeah, that's exactly how it is when I, when I do write, I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to, I, that's the thing too. I can see myself. I'm not trying to make anyone see me either. Cause I've, mm. I've, I clearly see myself. I clearly love myself. I clearly believe in myself. I clearly a lot of times or the way I experience your work, a lot of times is like, here's where I have landed. Here's how I got here. Yep. I catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs> like that's yeah, it. <laughs> no, but I'm, honestly, that is, that's what it is. That's exactly like my writing style. That's exactly what, but that's, that's generally how, that's my personality too. So like, it, it, it definitely, yeah, that's exactly how it is when I, when I do write, I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to, I, that's the thing too. I can see myself. I'm not trying to make anyone see me either. Cause I've, mm. I've, I clearly see myself. I clearly love myself. I clearly believe in myself. I clearly, you know, so I'm not writing from a space where it's like, I want you to see me. It's more so like, I've already seen myself. Do you want to see some of these do you want to see some of the things too? Kind of right. like, but I'm not generally writing because I need to like be seen. Um, it is great to be seen. There's nothing wrong with being seen. Um, but I'm not generally writing because I need, maybe need is a poor word, but I, yeah, I'm not really writing because I need for the readers to see me. Mm. I just want them to see my thoughts maybe I don't know I don't know if that makes sense no but, I think that yeah. I, I what I hear you saying welcome to <laughs> consultant speak here you go you ready how you know I work in DEI consulting <laughs> what I hear you saying is that you are your process isn't let me tell you why you should think the way I think your process is here is what I think here is why I think it yeah. And, now, yeah. and now you have some options. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's basically it. Yes. That is my writing style. Yeah. And like, as a reader, I like, that's the thing that I enjoy. Cause whenever somebody mm-hmm. tries to tell me how to think, I'm like, nope. <laughs> 
because I'm a Pisces and also a Scorpio. And I just, <laughs> I don't like when people tell me what to do. And so, yeah. you know, I think for me, or what, what part of what was very intriguing to me about this colorism series is mm-hmm. that you didn't say, here's why I need y'all to show up in the world the exact same way I show up in the world. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was, here's why I, here's why I move like this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's what I'm doing and why I do it. So y'all don't got to ask me no questions when you see me. <laughs> when you see me out in the world doing it. Yes. Right. You don't got to exactly. be like, how did we get here? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I guess I want to uh, ask a little bit more. And so if, if you haven't read Queen's uh, series on colorism, um, there's two essays. I will link them in the show notes so y'all can read them too. But I, mm-hmm. I, I did want to sort of start at like, why, why are we talking, why did you think it was important to talk about colorism? Mm-hmm. And why did you think that it was important to talk about colorism right now? Okay, so the reason why I'm even writing this series is because I realized, now that it didn't have anything to do with colorism. I just realized I wasn't writing as much anymore. And okay. one of the reasons why I wasn't writing is because I don't really like reactionary writing. Mm. I don't like what I would call like think peace culture. Where it's like, <laughs> Let me tell you happens. about how I have a series of tweets called if I like think pieces. <laughs> Because I hate them. But sometimes I'll be having thoughts. Yes, yes. If there wasn't Think Peace culture, I would write my thoughts down. (laughs) But I don't want to write a whole piece and have somebody call it a think piece because it's reductive or it feels reductive. Yeah, it feels reductive. I noticed that when I did write more years ago that a lot of my stuff was reactionary. And it was like, what do I actually want to write about outside of reacting to what the world is doing? Um, So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to write in reaction to things. So it was like, okay, maybe if I write in a series where I delve into one subject that I'm really into and explore that, because that's the thing too, is that there's some topics that one essay is not going to do anything for mm-hmm. it needs to be more than one piece um i'm sorry so did you say was... nuance <laughs> i think i did i think i did i think i did <laughs> so there's a myriad of subjects that need to be more than just one essay one thing and the way i arrived at colorism is just because it's just it's just always popping up like it's just always popping up for me noticing things that other people don't notice i'm noticing that my relationship with colorism is different from other people's everyone's relationship with it i think is valid but i'm noticing that my relationship to it is something different um so it's like i should probably write about these things like i the first piece of the series is why i don't talk to light-skinned people about colorism and (laughs) the title of that made me want (laughs) to give you a standing ovation. Like, I hadn't even, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, I don't know what it's about. And I'm about to send it to like 12 of my cousins and two of Gosh. my coworkers. <laughs> I didn't send it to my coworkers. 
yeah so like I, I, and I figured I'll start with that because it's like, that's, that's, let me just start here. <laughs> I know the other pieces were going to have people like asking questions and stuff. I just needed it from jump that the light skinned black people knew that I'm not the one. Don't come here with that shit. I don't have time for that shit. This is what we not oh! going to do. This is what we Woo! not going to do. So that's why I started with that. Um, Still had a bunch of light skins crying in my DMs, but I mean, that's, that's you know, that's how that go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why I started with that because it was, it was an unconscious decision to stop. Like I didn't consciously think one day like I'm not gonna. I just noticed I just stopped doing it. I just noticed that I was just like that's something I don't partake in, um, and then something just told me to like write write about that. So that's why that's the first piece of the series because it is difficult to be in community with people who don't also understand that they can be an oppressive person to you. Say it again. And it's just really difficult. My personality, and it could be because I'm a Virgo, I don't know. We don't like explaining <laughs> shit to people. We don't oh, like... <laughs> I should have, I, I personally feel like, and I'm not saying this is the correct way. I'm just saying how I personally interact with the world. And that's how really, we're interviewing you. <laughs> I don't necessarily feel the need to explain my existence to people. Like, I don't really feel the need to explain to you why I should be seen as a human why I should be respected, why it's either you do or you don't. And if you don't, I just know where to put you. And if you mm. do, I know where they put you. Mm. you. You know, Virgos, we see pretty black and white. Like it's, yes, it's there is no spectrum. <laughs> yeah, there is it. Sometimes the I wish I had. Does not exist. Sometimes I wish I had, but and yeah. honestly, that's why I really fuck with Virgos because people don't realize that Pisces are like that. Because <laughs> we're like soft and dreamy, but I'm like mm-hmm. I'm either into you or I'm not. Or I'm not you or I don't. Or I don't. There is yes. no middle ground. And you will not know that I have cut you off and burned you out of my scope of existence because I'm nice. Um, but literally, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Virgos are like upfront about it. And that's why I fucking yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's why I started with, with that piece. And I do plan to have, it's going to be a four-part series. I do have okay. two more to do. But yeah, I started with that. And then the second one is Desirability Won't. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. Listen, because we about to we I'm I want to talk about this specifically because <laughs> we are about to be in the summer of hedonism where folks are gonna be acting like we not still in a panachetta mm-hmm. and uh gonna be out here in these streets, gonna be out here on these apps, going yep. back at their little um functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really, I want to, to, to hear a little bit more about mm-hmm. desirability as a black femme has always been complex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's yeah. just, that's just, that's full stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think desirability, like I, like there is no world where I would identify myself as dark skinned mm-hmm. and I come from a family where that was a, a name that was given to me, right? There was a, mm-hmm. a side of my family where they were like, oh, you're, you're dark. And I'm like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> what? Huh? 
And, and, and the way I, I want to talk a little bit more about as we go back into the, into the world and yeah. as we begin to, after a year of not having or managing desire and the way desire mm-hmm. really is expressed yeah. differently when we, we're all coming back, like what does it mean for, for folks, particularly Black femmes, particularly dark-skinned Black femmes, to sort of go from our little bubble of like being in the house and not having, yeah, people say wild shit uh, to you in just like regular in the street, just <laughs> violence in the street, yes, and at parties, and when you're just minding your business, to to go back to that, like, what does it mean for us to have to dip our toes back into into the, what can feel like a very particular of misogynoir yeah and I'm like are there ways that that things have gotten better mm-hmm. you don't have to say yes if you're like no bitch it's still a fucking nightmare then that's okay <laughs> it's still a nightmare <laughs> still a nightmare but like when I'm when I'm when I'm specifically saying in that piece is because my relationship to colorism is very different when it comes to like other dark-skinned woman or a woman darker than me because we all know that that's a spectrum as well. It's a spectrum. There's places where people who I would consider are like a lighter brown are considered dark. You know, it just depends on where you're from, where you live, who can be dark yeah, and who can be light. So, yeah. yeah, so that can be that could be subjective for sure. Um, but as far as us in the middle, the middle brown people, that could be subjective. <laughs> Yeah. But then there's people who are clearly light and there's people who are clearly dark. You know, I just yeah. want to, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I just wanted to start with that. But I think that a lot of times when the people are talking about representation, when people are talking about wanting to see dark-skinned folks more visible, I feel that people present it as if that's something that would save us. Mm. And it won't. So, like, do I want to see more dark-skinned folks in movies and stuff like that? Of course I do, but that's not going to like save us from. That's not going to save us from harm. That's not going to save us from yeah. white supremacy. That's not yeah. going to even save us from colorism. Like to eradicate colorism, then we have to eradicate the fact that lighter is better. If that idea still exists, me being desired doesn't do shit doesn't, yeah. for dismantling yeah. colorism. It just means that people want to fuck me. That's not that's it. freeing me. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> that's all it's doing. It's not freeing me. It's not, it's not creating freedom for dark-skinned Black people. It's just saying that more people see me. And what I'm learning through, I'm actually learning this through Diamond from Marsha's Plate. Yeah. Visibility also actually makes you more susceptible to harm. To violence. So that's right. Yes, to violence and harm. So obviously, intracommunally, obviously for black people, it will be great for darker skinned black people to be more visible and and have space in those rooms that maybe a lighter skinned black person is generally allowed exactly. to have space in. Yeah. But if if a dark skinned person gets in that room and it's still horrible racist just the two of them. people <laughs> just the two of them yeah and all yeah the people experience yeah. violence so you know like if we, an example of that is like a Meghan markle that is a white looking person right right but yes. they knew about them they knew about her little bit of drops of blackness and they treated yep. her like a nigga 
So like, yes, you know, so like her appearance being and her desire. Thing. I think this piece is the piece that I wish more people understood and or mm-hmm. would, would grapple with, right? So her yeah. desirability, right? So the fact that the man that is now her husband saw her and found her attractive. Yes. Did not save her from the fact that this woman entered into a marriage, entered into the family of the motherfuckers who invented colonialism. Yeah. And was like, maybe I don't need to exist on this earth anymore. Yes. And that's that's what I mean by desirability will not free me. Lighter skinned black people are more desirable in quotations, but they're still oppressed. They are still, you know, harm might be less. But it doesn't. But they still experience harm. Yes. If I want all of us to actually be free, if if freedom is the goal, right? I I want to eradicate colorism, but I also want all Black people to be free. So if I want both of those things to exist, and I need to be for real, that desirability is not going to be the thing that frees us. So I don't care. For me personally, I don't care about how many dark-skinned girls are married to rap moguls. I don't care about shit like that. I don't care about Beyonce saying I'm cute and that brown-skinned girl song. Like, I don't need a light-skinned person to tell me I'm cute. I know that already. I know I'm, I know. I need for colorism to be eradicated. I need for white supremacy to be eradicated. Those are the things that actually free me, not not me being um, less threatening. So now I'm in the room, not, you know, whatever things that you think about when you think about desirability, they won't, they're not, they're not going to free me. So I I think an important thing that I got from, from that work Mm -hmm. was this piece or, or what I would, would, I would name as incrementalism, Mm -hmm. right? So this idea that, oh, if we, if we get rid of this less bad thing, the big bad yeah, thing they, won't well. like be as bad. And it's like, uh, uh no, I like no. if we if we take it out of if we if we if we think about it in another way, right? So like let's think about it in let's think about it in terms of education, right? So like mm-hmm. a high school diploma, a college graduate, a master's degree, and a PhD. Yeah. If you are a black queer person. And you experience, if you go, you're going to the workforce, it doesn't matter if you have a PhD. Somebody is still gonna think you're the fucking help. Somebody yes. is still yes. gonna fucking ask mm-hmm. you if you belong in that room. In that Somebody room. Exactly. is still gonna fucking talk to you while crazy. Like those things do not go away because of the increased access to privilege that you have. Exactly. Exactly. Because of your degree, right? Exactly. Or like, same thing, and and this is a, a conversation that I've had a lot with folks, and I it's gonna, you know, now that the summer of hedonism approaches, right? <laughs> like <laughs> we're gonna go back to it. Is like you know, motherfuckers who's out here making however much money, right? They are mm-hmm. still black, and sometimes black, queer, and sometimes visibly queer, yeah. and they are still experiencing violence, and that violence affects the way that they are able to show up for their friends, for their family, and for their yep, partners. For sure. That doesn't go away because they make, they, they in somebody's different tax bracket. Like that doesn't, exactly. that doesn't exactly. go away, right? So the incrementalism around, around colorism to me always feels a little frustrating because of this idea that, yeah, like sure, 
um, we, we conceptualize because of white supremacy, we conceptualize lighter skinned people as quote unquote more desirable, but that doesn't mean they're not black and don't get treated like black folks get treated. Exactly, exactly. What y'all see happen a lot, what y'all see like, and it gets on my nerves and that's why the colorism series is different parts. Mm-hmm. It's because I said why I, didn't, why I don't talk to light-skinned people about colorism because a lot of times they don't understand the privilege, the honor and privilege that they have. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't have the patience. Maybe yes. another yes. dark-skinned person does. I don't have it in me. <laughs> Maybe I'll send them the article, but whatever, right? But what happens is, and I did, my intention was for the desirability article to be second, mm-hmm. but I knew that there would be Black people who interpreted me not talking to light-skinned people about colorism, seeing it as a complete dismissal of light-skinned Black people, which is not the case. You know what I mean? Like, I know that when I write something, people still might interpret their own things and take it in their own way. So I knew that that would happen. But I mean, I'm saying I'm not talking to them about colorism. That doesn't mean I don't fuck with light-skinned people. Like, those are two different things. (laughs) But people are not, you know, people... Like people don't read, listen, people don't read is people, literally yeah, my favorite. Yeah. Every anytime somebody's like, rah, 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 I'm like, oh, you didn't read you it. literally did not read the thing that yeah. I wrote. So I knew that that would happen. And it actually did. I had someone who tagged me in something where this light skinned black person was crying because someone called her a monkey. And the girl, the person who tagged me in a post is like, the person who tagged me in a post was like, look, she's, I think the, the person, okay, rewind, rewind. I was tagged in a post by someone from, from someone on Twitter. The post was a TikTok of a light-skinned Black woman who probably was about 22 who's crying about someone calling her monkey. Mm-hmm. The caption that the Twitter user who tagged me in it said was like, look, auntie, I guess they think I'm out calling me auntie, but whatever. Um, look, auntie. Are we? auntie aged anyway i don't I, look i feel like social media me and me and janice say this all the time people need to add their birth year to their name because, because i'm confused i think this person is like college student age and listens to t between the j podcast so maybe in there i don't know whatever um yeah but they were like auntie see she's gone 22 years without ever being called a monkey and now lucky and like, for her now, and now she's crying about it, which I get. I'm like, yeah, lucky for her, but I don't want to see a black person crying about being called a monkey. Period. Also like, that. you know, I'm like, okay, yes, those, those two yeah. things can exi- exist. Yeah, at the same time. I was like, I get it. I get that. And I'll be honest, she's experiencing pain. Like, yes, I don't. Okay, why would I be happy that this light skinned person is experiencing racial pain, anti black pain? No. No. Exactly. So no. it's like, I want that to be clear that like, and that's why I have the desirability piece is there. Mm. The path to eradicating colorism and or eradicating the hierarchy of light and dark is not by making me desirable. Right. It's, or more palatable. Yes. often is what does that people, when people say like, desirable, exactly. what they really mean is more palatable to white people. Yes. And it's like, that's not how we do that. That's not freedom. If we make it so that dark skinned people are more palatable. So now we're accepted. 
we have not ended colorism. We have just appeased white supremacy more. And that's not what, that's not anything I want to do or anything I want to be a part of. So like desirability to me doesn't, doesn't do, doesn't do what people think it does. It just, it may, <laughs> it may get us in the movies. It may yeah. get us, more people looking at us. Yeah, but that's not freedom. That's, we're, yeah. still, we're still because somebody supremacy. It's still, that all of that is happening and also some little eight-year-old, which is the first time that somebody called me a monkey, some little mm-hmm. eight-year-old is still getting called a monkey somewhere. Yeah. So as long like, as white supremacy still exists. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I know that the job to end white supremacy, it's like it's not the job of people who are not white, right? The people Correct. who have the privilege should are the ones who could change the systems. In Correct. <clears throat> Um, but, but that's um, also how I feel about colorism. Like dark-skinned people, we could talk about the ills of colorism all day, but until light-skinned black people admit yeah. that they really like that system the way it is, because if they didn't, they would do something for it to not exist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's Ooh. who to me, that's who does the job of dismantling. The colorism people who are, are, are the people who have who experience the privilege so like all of us have internalized colorism for sure mm-hmm. but the people who have the privilege, my favorite game is are they cute or are they light-skinned literally my favorite game yo i used to love that game okay <laughs> i used to and this is like i'm telling you i've been talking about colorism like my whole life um always but like i remember sitting on the stoop as a teenager with the with the guys because i was the girl who also like you know i'm bisexual so i was like i would look at the girls the same way the guys did right so i'm like she's not cute she's just light-skinned like I, i'm yes. just like she's not cute yes. she's just light-skinned she has and light eyes just, or she, yeah i'm like she has, she has that hair, kind of hair or whatever oh, she's not and you think she looks exotic. That's why you think she's cute, but she's not actually. Yeah. So I used, to, I used to play that game all the time. Even I hate when I see maybe like two or maybe like three or four times I've seen threads or it's like um, lesbian couples or queer woman couples. And it's just a bunch of beige bitches. Beige? Did you say beige? Oh. All of these, all of these beige couples, it's just like just beige people. Somebody like, said waffle color Negro to me a couple years ago, <laughs> and I will never forget it. Waffle color, waffle color Negro is like one of my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like, all. It, that person's not cute. They're just a waffle color Negro. Yeah, and I'm just like, so these are the only couples that they found to be in this thread to be like, look at these, look at these queer couples. Like all they, all they found, all they found was light skinned people and light skinned couples. Like what the fuck? Like me, I don't. All really, of Instagram, and this is what you came up with. Yeah, it's just always. I'm just like, damn. Or when I see like queer. Um, Black men, they always want to date something that's not a black woman. So I'm not even going to get into that. But when I see even someone like a Sid. Mm. Is it dating someone? I don't, anytime it looks like Sid is dating someone, it's some ambiguous thing. Some ambiguous. Ambiguous is the right word. I was, that's the nice person. So we going to go with that one. 
<laughs> so it's always some ambiguous person, and it's just like, what? damn, y'all can't just love one a dark skin girl out loud because you. I know you fuck with dark skin girls. I was like, because I've heard some things, but who we see on the gram or whatever. Yeah, it's always it's always what would appease the public more so than like you know whatever so just seeing stuff like that I don't really post who I date online but I'm like maybe I I yeah I don't but I'm like sometimes I'm like maybe I should so people could see like a darker skinned person be loved on because because what the timeline curates on its own I mean, it's some not, of that is the, some of that is actually the algorithm. Like the algorithm leans towards yeah, yeah, yes, for sure, for sure, and for sure. what people interact with and like and have been trained to, to interact with yep. interact with is leans towards the like waffle colored Negroes. Yes. That's gonna be the title of this episode. It's gonna be waffle colored Negroes. That's it. I've decided. Oh gosh, but yeah, that's who I see like being loved on. That's who like. Yeah, you know, so it's just like I think it's important. Okay, to clarify, I think it's important for us to be desired. Yes, yes, but that is not the everyone path deserves to, that feeling. Yes, but that is not the route that I would take for dismantling colorism, and that seems to be the route that most people are taking when they're dismantling. Colorism, it's they're, they're always talking about our visibility. They're always talking about who marries who. They're always talking about who people think is pretty. And it's like colorism dead ass denies access to stuff. Like more dark skinned black people are in prison. More dark skinned yeah. black people interact with the state in ways that makes it yeah. so that Our, Obama, George yes. Floyd, right. yeah, most of those people are dark school, skin. are yes. suspended, yes. are like, yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I guess I have a question. It's mm-hmm. my last question um, before we go to the toast. Uh-huh. If desirability isn't the path to freedom, Mm-hmm. Then what is? Because I think that you know when, it, I, because I work with white people, um, they're all their question is always. I'm always like, here's why the path you chose was the wrong one, right? And mm-hmm. and some intrepid person is always like, yeah, all right. Well, if this is not the right way forward, then what is? Um, which is I if I get if I'm running a workshop and one person gets there, I feel like I've done a good job. Honestly, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> There, everybody's upset and crying, <laughs> but one one brave soul is like, "All right, so what do we do now?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I guess my 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 question, especially as I and I I want to continue to have a conversation with people who are thinking about like, if desirability is not the way to abolishing white supremacy, then what is? Mm-hmm. I think the pathway to abolishing white supremacy is uh, like many, is many, many pieces. Um, mm-hmm. So like on Team with Queen and Jay, we, we talk about dismantling the white supremacist patriarchal capitalism. Right. And we talk about those three specific things a lot because they're, they're so intertwined. Right. Like, Correct. There's, they're, 
all of those pieces hold each other up. Mm-hmm. Um, they need each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's many, many things need to be done. So there has to be things done to dismantle capitalism. I think that capitalism allows for us to have scarcity. So it creates scarcity. It creates lack. Yep. It creates these things that make people feel that they have to scramble to be to the top. Mm-hmm. And so, there can only be one. <laughs> and if, yes. And that, that idea that it can only be one. Yeah. So when we're making decisions community as black communally as black people, community as black people to eradicate white supremacist systems, we tend to pick based on what appeases white supremacy. So we're going to pick a Rosa Parks who's a light-skinned person who didn't have a child at 16, like the other woman who actually sat on the bus. uh, Damn, I never remember her last name. Colette? Yes. I don't, I don't, yeah. You know, we're going to pick Rosa Parks. We're going to, we're going to gear towards like an Angela Davis looking person because of these ideas that we have about who white people will actually listen to. Where it's like, why are we caring about who white people would actually listen to? They're not gonna listen to none of us. <laughs> like, when they get uncomfortable, they will surely get the fuck out. Yes, they will. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's lots of things that has to be done to eradicate white supremacy. I guess I can say what I'm for sure know what eradicate colorism is light-skinned Black people leaning into their privilege way more, acknowledging that the privilege even exists, and acknowledging that that has a lot of, a lot of them like the benefits of it. And I don't think they, they're honest about it. Like yeah. they're, you know, we're not, we're different we're in a different time. It's not like you have to pass. It's not a survival thing anymore in that way. Right, right, right now, I feel like it is a choice. You are choosing yes. to know, engage not, in that way. Yes, to, to engage in that way. And you have to just and like, to make better choices. It's all very well and good when like y'all are giving me your little light skin faces on Instagram and you know there's five light skin faces. <laughs> there's five of them. <laughs> And if I was pettier, I would put some examples. Um, but I, I've had too much of this damn drink to be giving y'all examples. But I, I think it's, I think what you're saying is super important, right? Because the people who have access to privilege are the ones who are responsible for identifying how to move away from that, yeah. mm-hmm. not just for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. For the collective good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, but that's what makes it hard is because right. who, who actually wants to give right. up their privilege? <laughs> right. That part. You know? And that's what makes it difficult because who actually wants to give up their privilege? But for me, that's why, especially when it comes to, I say in the desirability piece, that's why I care more about it when it comes to activism, when it comes to academic spaces, Mm. where it comes to the spaces where people are creating the strategy for freedom, Mm -hmm. those places, so organizing, activism, a lot of of academic spaces are also a part of the strategy pieces when it comes to Black liberation. I need colorism not to exist there Mm. because those are the people who are creating strategy. Those are the people who are intensely 
and who have the resources to do it. Exactly. So that's why I care about it way more in those spaces. I don't give a fuck about who is the the main character in Lovecraft. I don't give a fuck. I care about- Or who got to be on Red Table. Yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. I understand. I understand when people say those things, so I get it. But I don't, I don't care. I need to know who, whoever is the organizer, I need to know that you don't favor the light-skinned people over the dark-skinned people because your liberation will always be wrong for me. Mm-hmm. It will always be the wrong liberation for anyone who's not dark, mm-hmm. you know? So that's kind of where I care about it more because those are the people who are generally a part of the strategy when it comes to however we arrive at our liberation. But I, yeah, I don't care if Beyonce tells me I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't really care. That makes me chuckle every time. It makes me chuckle. <laughs> every time I'm always like, yeah. <laughs> you are you paying me to be because that would be a different it'd be a different experience if you were paying me to be cute right that's what i realized paying me to be cute you're just telling me i'm cute and people at this point in my life people pay me to tell me how much they desire me like literally people pay me for the illusion of desire yeah so i'm like Like, i think that's honestly that song is when I realized, like, okay, I see, I do colorism different. Oh, my, yeah, because when that song came out, everyone was like, yes, it's a song for the dark-skinned girls. And I was like... But it's not by, okay. That, that was my thing. I was just, it reminded me of all the time I talked about colorism to a light-skinned person, and they were like, but you're cute. And I'm like, I didn't say anything about me not knowing I was cute. I'm saying that the world doesn't doesn't fuck with me because I am darker skin. I didn't say I ain't fuck with me. I fuck with me. I've always fucked with me. I'm talking about the world. And I think that that's the piece that people miss a lot. That's why I say the desirability piece doesn't mean much to me. I can't remember the exact quote, but Gabrielle Union was like, I could say I love myself all day, but if I go out into a world that tells me I ain't shit, like I can't, self-esteem my way out of colorism yeah yes that is it to the groom to the groom to the groom to the bride to the bride can't do that all right i have i have discovered the toast you know i'll be feeling i'll be feeling my way to the toast (laughs) conversation so i would like to propose um that you give, we'll each give one piece of, or a way of, of existence that we're looking forward to mm-hmm. when colorism is not a thing. Okay. Hmm. I am looking forward to This is a good question because I don't think I've ever thought about what the world looks like without colorism. Welcome to a Pisces, dreaming us into the fucking future. Because it's so embedded in so much shit. But um, a world without colorism would allow for 
Kelly Rowland to be as big as Beyonce. A world without, right? A world without colorism would allow for, for would allow a darker person to have been the first president. Mm-hmm. You know, like just stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I think I think for me, what it is is like me telling my children like whoever Mm -hmm. my child or children is because I would like to have multiple Mm -hmm. that they are beautiful not because I'm trying to tell them that to shield them from the world world, that's going to tell them that they are unbeautiful yeah but I like me telling them that they are beautiful and then being able to hold that in their hearts because it's true yeah yeah for sure for sure and that's me with my emotions (laughs) (laughs) on a fucking wednesday (laughs) (laughs) like this question though aurora out colorism yeah yeah i feel like octavia butler has a book for that oh please i love her (laughs) when bitches invent a time machine and i know bitches is working on it that's who I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go see Octavia Butler in her little mountain house in fucking California. <laughs> I'm gonna make her some dinner and we're gonna fucking talk about it. Yeah. That's literally, that's my dream. <laughs> that's my dream, you guys. Oh gosh. I do right. love Beyonce though. I just noticed I've, said, I've shaded Beyonce a few times. I am a right. Beyonce fan. Hold on, because I know I don't want y'all in my fucking mentions. Exactly. I was <laughs> like, I just thought about it and was like, this, we both love Beyonce. We we love her seen, enough to I be able to critique. To Coachella, I went to Coachella okay. to see who Beyonce. I ain't never been to Coachella, yeah. and I will never go back. But let me tell you, I dragged my ass the fuck to Palm Springs to be like, all right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me this see is a Beyonce loving place. It's true. It is. And we can, ho- I need y'all to just experience a nuance with me. I need you to hold a both and. Okay. Yes. And if you fucking yes. come and talking crazy in my mentions, I'm sorry for what happens to you after. <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't care about your feelings. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I didn't say my stuff. Oh my God. Tell the people where to find you on the internet. Say everything. Um, so you can find me. My personal accounts are at the Queen Speaks with an underscore. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, from Ex Vixen, my online magazine. Um, the, what is the at? Oh, underscore Miss Vixen underscore. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, there's also a TikTok by the same same thing. <laughs> and then the Tea with Queen and J is my podcast. TeaWithQueenandJ.com is the website. Um, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at Tea with QJ. And also the website MixVixenMag.com if you want to check out articles. I do, um, I don't write all the articles. I write most of them, but then people do submit writing and stuff like that. So you do get the ideas of other people too, not just mine, even though mine's are great, but <laughs> you do get other um, perspectives as well. But yeah, that's where you can find me and all my work. So I will put a links to all the things to Mix Fixing Magazine, to to Queen and Jay in the show notes so that y'all have no excuses. None. None. <laughs> all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
we have come to the end of our episode. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. If you are listening, please use the hashtag Cheers and Queers and pod in on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We don't have a Facebook, but I'm sure that my social media manager will eventually talk me into making a TikTok. She's going to manage it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how TikTok works. Um, so tell your friends about Cheers and Queers. Um, meet some cuties in the hashtag. Tell us what you're drinking because I make sure to publish all of the fucking drink recipes so that you can make these drinks in your house because y'all have time um go check out the patreon tiers rate us on itunes leave some comments let us know um on whatever platform because i do check all the platforms we i truly do genuinely enjoy reading your reviews like i definitely it, it like makes makes me being weird and editing this podcast at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, really, really worth it. We we really do love hearing from you. And it really does help people find the podcast so that the folks who are looking for this kind of content have access to it. The music in this episode was provided by B. Steadwell, Boomscat, and Abel Schiffera. You can find B. Steadwell at bsteadwell.com. You can find Boomscat at boomscat.com. And you can find Abel in the house because... We are in a panna cotta, okay? We are a member of the Gifted Sounds Network. This episode was produced by Aha, yours truly, Ishoke, uh, with support from Lance John and with social media support from Jalen. Cheers, y'all. This has been a Gifted Sounds podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. For more podcasts, please visit giftedsounds.com. Where you from? Can I come? What is your favorite color, babe? I wanna know everything, 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 everything. So I say, hey, how you doing?